The following podcast is a She Did It and SydneyNanberg.com production. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the She Did It podcast. For those of you who don't know me, I'm Sydney Nanberg, creator of the She Did It podcast and SydneyNanberg.com, the brand and resource where I share self-care tips and mindset hacks to help you become the best version of yourself. My intention is for you to come looking for inspiration and leave with the tools you need to face obstacles and live a more fulfilling life. I'm always sharing what has worked for me, and I hope you guys love it. I'm really excited for today's episode. I get to interview Billy Lee from the Bravo series Vanderpump Rules, and we are talking about battling negativity, authenticity, and making it happen in life. So let's get started. A podcast. My name is Sydney Nanberg, and today I'm here with another very special guest, someone who I really admire. And I'm really excited for you guys to get to know her, hear her insight on life. She is tremendously brave and honorable, and you're going to love her. Her name is Billy Lee. She's a reality star and activist. Welcome, Billy Lee. Hi, thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So let's jump right in. So we're living right now in a time where we have this pressure to really be something, right? And to be something, we have to be our authentic self. And the word authentic, I think, is thrown around a lot. And mm-hmm. to be authentic means that you have to be vulnerable, which you definitely are. Uh, and then you throw social media in there and a TV show, and you can put out whatever you want on social media. And because you can put out whatever you want on social media, we only see part of the story. And that means we might only see part of who someone is, right? So right. I think that causes a lot of insecurity and you start to think, well, shouldn't I be doing what that person's doing? And that person's on a private jet. That person has perfect skin. That perfect that person has the perfect relationship or that person's an 18-year-old billionaire selling shoes. So it almost causes us to stray away from showing our true authentic self in fear of being judged, which is really scary. And there's so much harassment out there and 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 people are always left out. And I really want to talk with you about your story because you are authentic. You're real. You're representing a community. And when you have the power to do that, you can really inspire someone and have a really positive impact on their life. So I want to know more about what it takes, what it took for you to get to where you are today, how you deal with backlash, negativity, how you rise above it, um, and how you are looking to use your influence for the positive. So I also want to know what you might suggest to other people. Not everyone wants the same thing, but everyone is going through something of their own and that's life. Mm-hmm. So how they're going to turn that something into something that matters to them. So I want you to share with my audience a little bit more about you. Who is Billy Lee? Where are you from? What's going on? <laughs> yes. Um, well, thank you again for having me. You know, I, I, have to, I have to start with your first question where... Um, it's really hard to not compare ourselves with other people. And then we're also just bombarded by society of like these magazines and you have to be this perfect size. And when I first started going through my transition, I had this amazing friend who was in the public eye. She was a really big celebrity. She was on a really hit TV show and we would travel the world together. And I really, it was, I took effort into training myself to not compare myself to her or other people around me because I was around a lot of beautiful celebrities and I was going through a transition. So I felt very awkward. I looked very awkward. People couldn't identify me. And yeah, it was just, it was, it was kind of intimidating. Um, But at the same time, I just really practice on loving myself and not comparing myself to other people. And I do that still to this day. Like, you know, I have, I have amazing people around me that are so wonderful, but that I also have people around me who are way wealthier than I am or who are dating a guy who's very wealthy. And I find myself sometimes being like, oh, I wish, you know, um, I had that lifestyle. And then I have to bring it back to myself and just bring it back to gratitude. Because really, gratitude is everything for me right now is just focusing on things that I already have and building that kind of energy and also abundance. But, you know, I'm from a very small town in Indiana, and I was born and raised in a trailer park, and my parents had me at a very young age, and they weren't educated, especially on my trans issues. So I was forced to be a boy my entire life, and that was really difficult for me growing up. Um, But, you know, I think in a universal situation, a lot of us are 
we have all these expectations from our family to be a doctor or right. to do something. And, um, you know, it was really hard for me to constantly be forced to be a boy. And I also couldn't express my feminine energy. And I really, really loved expressing my feminine energy. I was very attracted to feminine things. And to be told, no, you're wrong, that was that was hard. And and I think because of that, I've always been kind of aware of not comparing myself to people. And also, I'm, I know being vulnerable really does um, help me connect with people. And I'm coming from a place of, of vulnerability because I, of what I experienced in my life, too. And also, I'm a Pisces, so I cry all the time. <laughs> That's okay. Wait, so let's talk about your childhood a little bit because I'm really interested in that. I think a lot of things stem from childhood, right? A lot of um, how we deal with situations today, I feel like goes all the way back to something. So you you said when you were younger that you weren't really able to express your feminine energy, but you loved to. How did you cope with that at the time? And how did you realize who Billy Lee was? And, and what was that like going through all of that? Well, I would hide things. Um, I found little ways. I would, my mom threw out old makeup and I I took it out of the trash and I buried it in my sandbox. So I would unbury it and I would put on this little bit of makeup and I would be so excited. And then I would, you found your way. I found my (laughs) way. I really did. And you know, it's still, I was recently telling one of my, um, my lovers, my ex, um, (laughs) that I still attract shame because my parents were ashamed. A lot of people mistake mistakes me as a girl because I was so mm-hmm. feminine and my parents would have to constantly correct them. And then they would say, Billy, you know, be more like a boy. Um, so you don't get made fun of. And I went from being ashamed as a child to my first open relationship. Um, and it was a gay relationship because my doctor and my family identified me and put me in the gay category. And they said, you're feminine, you're attracted to boys, you're going to be gay. They never I never even heard the word trans or transgender. Mm-hmm. And so I went to my first relationship ever with a with a guy who also didn't like the fact that I was feminine because he was a gay man. He was obviously attracted to men, not, you know, and he hated when I shaved my legs. He hated the fact that I wore makeup. And I still find myself in, to this day in relationships where I find shame. And I think honestly, it's because I'm still dealing with shame from my childhood. So it's, um, you know, some of our closest relationships and our partners are mirrors for us, mirrors mm-hmm. of what we have inside. Yeah. So I, I find shame still comes up for me, you know, even with, um, things that happen on TV, like things that happen at Sir and are now on TV, you know, I'm coming from my experience where I'm still dealing with shame and people see me as this beautiful person on the outside, but I still kind of identify as this very insecure person who is also still ashamed and still dealing with things from my childhood. I mean, I pass the mirror sometimes and I'm like, Oh my God, that's me. Or I see myself on screen on the TV and I'm like, that's me. Like, you know, just because I've changed um, and really got to express my feminine energy now does not mean I still don't struggle with identifying as things before. And how do you, how do you deal with that? Like those, you know, negative thoughts, like you might be going about your day. And then all of a sudden, like you're saying, it's like you look in the mirror and you like feel that shame, which you shouldn't, by the way, you should be really proud of yourself, actually. But you know, we all have those things. How do you deal with that? How do you I know you said gratitude? Can we talk more about that? I'm interested. Yeah, I I mean, I do everything I can spiritually to pull myself to a higher vibration. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's, you know, I get into relationships, like I was saying, and sometimes guys are ashamed to be with a trans woman in, in today's society in America, especially a trans woman who's famous. And I find myself sad and alone if I'm being rejected because of being trans. And so as much as I'm on this journey of loving myself and loving my trans experience, when you are rejected from someone you really love because you are trans and they're insecure about it, it immediately makes me feel like it's why me, why was I born in the wrong body? Why do I have to go through this? Why am I not, why can't I be, have love like everyone else? Um, and when I find myself in that low vibration victim mode where I can't leave my apartment because I'm so depressed, I work on gratitude. I work on my I am's. I'm constantly journaling. I am love. I am light. Um, and I struggled with journaling for the longest time. And one of my friends told me, you know, I said, what do I write? Like, 
I'm going to the mall today or I'm going to yoga. Like, you know what? I know we talked about this last time. I was the same way. Everyone would tell me to write, but I was just like, I don't know what to write. And then one day, you know, it hit me and I started writing. Journaling is so powerful. Yeah. And my friend was like, just write. What are you setting with? And I was like, oh, I'm setting with this feeling. I'm I'm settling. I'm setting right now with anxiety and this feeling of being rejected by my, you know, ex-boyfriend like all these things. And then I start writing and I was like, wow, okay, I get this now. I'm started flowing, but there's so many little cool things that we can do. I have books all around my apartment that inspire me, um, trying to be creative and having the creative energy flowing with painting or just, you know, being creative in any way possible to kind of get that flowing. So I'm not stuck in this headspace of thinking negative things about myself because of other people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. One thing that I admire a lot about you is that you've gone through so much yet you, and, and no matter what, it's like you come out stronger on the other side from, from what I can see. And I love how you just keep moving along. So I want to talk about your journey and what you've gone through and how you got to where you are today and how you've overcome these obstacles. Because mm. while someone could look at a situation and, you know, everybody faces struggles and you can sit and focus on the negatives, but at the end of the day, if you can push through those things and come out stronger, then that's a huge positive. And I think people can take that lesson, you know, take a lesson from that. And so let's talk about your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are today? And what what was that transition like? Um, you know, it's a loaded question. I know. (laughs) Right. I'm like, Oh, oh, where do I start? Yeah. Um, it's just sad because the society really does bring you through the ringer when you decide to transition. And Mm -hmm. and I I think I started uh, 12 to 13 years ago. And if society can't put you in a little box and identify you, then they don't know what to do with you. So what they do is they just toss you to the side and I couldn't get a job. I was rejected all the time. And my, I went, I think a year, almost a year and a half without a job. And I had to do things that I wasn't proud of. But I had to do, you know, steal, I had to lie and do sex work, anything I could do to really, you know, keep myself um, going and pay rent and pay the bills and living in L.A. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we still struggle with it. The trans community is suffering all the time. Our, the unemployment rate is three times higher than the general population. Like, mm-hmm. we're just begging for opportunities. And I think that's a, one reason why I love, like, Lisa and, and Vanderpump and Sir is because they are shedding light on trans people are worthy of jobs. Trans people can work. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was really, really difficult for me. I I was very suicidal when I first transitioned, Um, was rejected a lot. My best friend at the time was, you know, this beautiful, amazing um, celebrity. So it was really challenging for me. But I feel like since I was little, I was built for all these challenges. I, I just knew that I had something epic going on with me. I knew I had um, I was sent here on a mission and I did. You listen to your gut feeling. Yeah. And I got to a point in my life where I owned a restaurant. I was, I fully transitioned with all my surgeries and the red carpet just rolled out for me. It was like society was like, oh, she's beautiful and attractive and we can identify her as female. So here you go. And so like I was once you followed accepted. your gut and your path. Yeah. I mean, I, I followed that, but, you know, going from being rejected and not having an opportunity to fully transitioning, having all these surgeries and beauty is such a thing in American culture and, mm-hmm. you know, oh, Billy Lee is attractive now. She's beautiful. And I had so many guys holding the doors open for me, asking me if I wanted to own my own business and I got to have my own restaurant. Like so many amazing opportunities came and it's sad because it came with being beautiful on the outside. and. The opportunities also, it was challenging for me to witness that and then also witness some of my sisters and my friends in the community who were also still struggling. And it's like, do we really have to go through this whole, I need to have all these surgeries and be this certain way just so I can be accepted in society? Right. That was, that was, that was hard for me. Um, but, you know, having that experience and having, and being on the other side, has allowed people to at least listen to me. And, you know, here I am today and I get to share stories of other people in my community and also the times that weren't necessarily pretty and fun. Right. So, okay. So question, how did you stay motivated? Because I think 
that's, you know, a lot of other people are probably going through similar situations, right? And maybe they're contemplating suicide. And one of my missions is to help prevent suicides. And um, how did you stay motivated through that? Did you have a support system? What was your, did you have a happy place? What got you through that? I do. I have an amazing, I have amazing friends and I do have an amazing support system. You know, I, I've had really dark times where I didn't feel like living on this planet any longer. And it was really hard for me because everything was just set up for me to fail. I was constantly rejected. And I really just kept with my, my spiritual tools. It was like, I was holding on to my spiritual tools for dear life and that, and then also just my community and reaching out. You know, I think sometimes we go through these internal struggles and we don't want to tell people. And that's probably the most dangerous thing is not talking about it. You know, even just like having the hotline, um, uh, having someone to talk to, someone to reach out to, um, because you're not alone in this. As much as sometimes we do feel alone, you're not. And we're all in this together. And I think like, you know, that's why it's important for me to be so vulnerable and to be open and honest with who I am so I can shed light on that and let people know that they're not alone because deep down someone's going to feel something that I feel because we're all in this together. And you're, and you get the opportunity to represent an entire community. So you have, you know, a lot of influence there, which is amazing, I think. So were you always so open about who you were and what you wanted? And how did you get the courage to share this? I mean, we can transition a little bit into the TV show, but that takes a lot of courage and bravery. And I think that that's amazing that you've done this. How, how did you take that step? Well, I have to tell you at first, when I first um, did have all the surges in transition, I lived a very private life. I didn't tell anyone that I was trans. I dated men and didn't tell them. I was finally like accepted by society. I finally fit in. I blended in where no one questioned me. So I mm-hmm. finally felt like, wow, I'm a relief. I'm the cool kid on the block. And these opportunities are coming my way and I don't want anyone to know. So I had like this secret that I like kept in a little box and hid away. And mm-hmm. I did that for a couple of years and I found myself lying all the time. I like I would date a guy and he would be like, how was it in high school for you? Like, were you prom queen? And I just found myself in weird situations and I didn't like the fact that I went this far and then now here I am lying and not being truthful to someone that I cared about. So I just, and at the same time, I, as much as I was hiding out, I saw my community under attack by our government and by different states. Um, and I was like, what am I doing? I'm, I'm hiding out. I'm not sharing my voice. And I'm watching, you know, my trans community not get jobs. I'm watching them being murdered. And so I decided to go on this spiritual journey of loving myself, loving my trans experience. I sold my restaurant. And I came out as a proud trans woman and I started writing my story, blogging about it. And Oh, really? Just, yeah. And people just started, you know, watching and listening. And, and um, yeah, I just really worked on myself and traveling and for like, and I did some protesting and stuff with the HB2 and North Carolina. And then I finally um, was like, okay, I need a job. You know, like I need to make some money, but I don't want to own a restaurant. I want to be an activist, but you don't make money as an activist. So I had a friend of a friend that referred me to Sir, um, that knew Lisa and Natalie and Guillermo who own it. And that's how I got the job. And then here we are. One thing led to the next. Well, I want to dive into your present life today. And it sounds like just to kind of bring everything full circle, no matter what obstacle you went through you just kept moving forward and you found a way and you put yourself first and you did what you had to do because you had a goal in mind. And that Mm -hmm. is not easy to do. So I give you a lot of credit. And I think that is so inspiring. And I love how you turned this situation of what you wanted in life into what you have now. So I give you a lot of credit. So let's dive into, (laughs) into your life now. Right now, you're currently on a TV show called Vanderpump Rules. It's on Bravo. So that's a journey in itself. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's crazy times. I mean, working at a restaurant is, is a stressful job. And then there's alcohol involved. Um, yeah. And you're also just entering a place of 
you know, when you start a new job, you're, it's like nerve wracking, but then you start a job and you also have these clicks at this restaurant and these best friends who are the witches of WeHo that's been friends for years. It's right. really intimidating to enter that, that space and also try to stay true to who you are and not compare yourself to them. Right. So, okay. So our theme here is authenticity. So making it happen and battling negativity, right? So what was it like just starting on this TV show that millions of people are watching and you said you found it intimidating, um, but did you find it hard to be yourself? And what's the most challenging part of putting yourself out there? I definitely don't find it hard to be myself. I've mastered that. I'm, I'm very confident with who I am as in being myself and my personality. Um, I didn't really think about the show when I got hired. It was just the restaurant. I was more like, I only focused on the restaurant when the camera started coming a few months after I got the job and they approached me about, um, you know, being open in front of the camera. I was like, sure. I mean, I've been telling my story <laughs> and speaking about my life. So it was just natural for me to live my, my life. And I've been in the restaurant business my entire life. So it was very natural for me. I wasn't stressed about the cameras. I didn't really know what to expect. I never watched the show. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, these people were just my friends. And then we added the cameras. And at first, I definitely was a little weird that there's cameras always around. But you get used to it really fast. Yeah. And I, I bet you do. I bet at first it's like a shock and it's a little different <laughs> if you're not used to it. But then all of a sudden, it's just like your everyday life, right? Yeah, because you're not supposed to look at the camera, but at first, obviously, yeah. there's cameras in front of you, and you're like, what the hell is this? So I would look at it, like, um, but- I would struggle. I would stutter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, my God, where are they now? I would just, like, I would have a really hard time with that. But well, I definitely like so to have a little cocktail to, like, kind of calm my nerves, which is always not the best. And I feel like when we film, I will drink a little bit more because it is a little nerve-wracking. I bet. I was going to say, if I were on the show, on, on any show at first, I would probably have some sort of a drink just to calm my nerves because I'm an anxious person. But I feel like after after a while, you get used to it. And I know it's never good to turn to alcohol or anything like that. Right. But it is nerve wracking. You're on a TV show. You're putting your life out there. That's That's really not <clears throat> easy. And so talking about staying true to who you are, I think this is something that a lot of people struggle with. And I think you're the perfect person to ask this question to because you're not affected by what, you know, what other people are doing. You remain true to yourself and you don't find it difficult. So what's one tip that you would give to someone who is struggling to stay true to who they are? Maybe they're surrounded by beautiful celebrities or they see all these people on Instagram or, you know, everything that we see today. How do you, how do you, what would you tell someone? You just have to start thinking about the things that you love about yourself. Instead of looking at other people and like, oh, she's so pretty. Oh, she's famous. Oh, she's has the best hair. She has the best skin. Like I love, you know, her waist size. You need to do that about yourself. It's almost like creating a magazine for yourself, creating a vision board. Oh, for I yourself, like that. You know, journaling. Um, you have to really build yourself up and love yourself. And, and there's sometimes where I'm, I'm that kind of person, like if I'm in a relationship, I put all of it in. Like I think about the guy all the time. I'm shopping for him. Like I'm such a relate. pleaser. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, if I spend half of that energy that I spend on a guy on myself, I would be so in love with myself and like, I would be more of a confident and successful person. So I really do try focusing on that. But I have to say like, you know, things, people do affect me still to this day. Like, you know, girls night, for instance, at my job, Yeah, um, it really affected me. And, and as many books I have around my apartment that I've read a thousand times, spiritual help books, um, ayahuasca ceremonies, yoga, meditation, I've done it all. And I practice a lot. And, you know, here is a girl's night at my job and it hit me like I was six years old and not allowed to hang out with the girls or be on the girls soccer team or go Can to the girls locker room. Can you talk about what room. happened for those who didn't see it? Yes. Um, so a few of this, all I, at first, originally I was online and I was just doing my thing during the day and I saw a bunch of things pop up on my Instagram that there was a girls night in party event happening at my place of work, sir restaurant. And I was not invited. I was not included. I wasn't included in any of the social media planning. I wasn't tagged in any of the social media posts. And my first, first feeling I had this sinking 
awful feeling in my pit of my stomach and my heart. I was embarrassed. And I just was like, why am I not included in this at work? Like, this is a girl's thing. And then I was, uh, I was on Sir's Instagram and I saw all the girls underneath tagged. And then I clicked on their Instagrams and saw that they posted something and I still wasn't tagged. And then I started reading comments and people were like, Billy's not included because she's not a real girl. And all of these things, just like this massive amount of like feelings just popped up and like I started bawling and I was really confused why my place of work wasn't including me in something. And now I know it's just a big trigger because as a child, I wasn't included in girl things. I was told I needed to be with the boys and those boys were picking on me. So it was very twisted to take a child out of their comfort zone and put him where somewhere they're forced to be and then also made fun of. And, you know, not being on the girls' soccer team, I had to be on the boys or not going to a sleepover because I was a boy. All of those things really affected me as a child, but I really thought I was over it. I thought I healed from it. And it all came rumbling up when I, when I read all these posts and I wasn't included and I frantically went to to Twitter and I saw I wasn't tagged again and the emotions from crying turned to rage. And I tweeted, I think it's rude as fuck to not include the only trans woman to a work event called girls night. And I still believe that because at the end of the day, I wasn't upset that I wasn't not included to someone's birthday party. It was a work event called girls night a pronoun that I fought for. And Mm -hmm. besides the emotion and and the massive trigger it was for me personally, the next step was, you know, these girls, Katie and her, then her friend, Kristen and Stassi and them came back with how dare you think that I'm transphobic? How dare you make this be about trans? And they never once heard me out. They never once opened the door to hear me out. They didn't apologize. Instead, they came back with, how dare you? We are the best supporters of the LGBTQ community. So now, instead of it being personal, it's now as an activist, I'm thinking, wow, you're not even hearing the minority at your work who's having a problem. They're, they're instantly become the victim. And now you don't hear me. No one, no one cares what I have to say. And that really frustrated me. And then I also was told at the workplace Billy, are you sure you're not using the trans card? And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. how dare you? It, no matter who you are, if you're a minority at a workplace, you're allowed to use that damn card because in with society and how we are treated, like I said, trans people cannot get jobs. Trans people are being murdered. A trans woman of color, if she lives past 36 to 38, is a miracle in America. We're not talking about a third world country. We're talking about in America. Wow. So for, my, for, for me to be the only trans person at work, not be included to a girls' night. And this is not just a restaurant. This is also a platform of a TV show. And this was all online. And some of the girls were like, well, why didn't you just text us? Why would you tweet that? And I'm thinking, well, the entire invitation, the entire event started online. And that's where I was. And later I did find out that they thought about me. Katie, I guess, told Ariana and them to include me, but they didn't. And then Katie later told me, she said, Billy, I just, you know, it's nothing about you being trans. I was just, I didn't have enough time. I didn't have a second to text you or call you. And I think this is what's wrong with us in America is we need to take our head out of our own asses and create create enough time to include people, to include Mm -hmm. people in the conversation, to include people. This is a work event. I can't stress enough that this is a work event. And I get messages all day long from trans kids from teachers who have trans kids. It says how they feel, like how they are constantly being rejected, how they're not being included in things that girls are at school or at work. And, you know, it just, it came from a very personal, hurtful place. But then it also, my, me being an activist kicked in and I was just so disappointed. And I liked a lot of comments that day where people were saying, Billy, hang in there. Don't worry. I, I've dealt with transphobic things at work. I've liked mm-hmm. so many comments that day. And I guess because I liked a comment that said transphobic, the girls then, which this is really typical to take attention off of the minority and, and become the, 
the victim, these girls who are all white and cis are now the victim in saying, you called us transphobic. And I never said the word transphobic. I never once said it. I never typed it. And what I do say, and I'll say this every single day, is these girls are very unaware and they're very selfish. And for them to not think, wow, we're having a girl's night. Let's make sure everyone's included, especially the trans girl. And at the end of the day, when they say this isn't about being trans, I am trans in America. I deal with mm-hmm. it every single day. I see my sisters and brothers who are trans deal with it every single day. I go to, I'm on the board of Equality California and Flux, which is a branch from the Age Health Foundation. I see, I feel, and I hear my community suffering every single day. And I'm coming from a trans experience because I am a trans person in America. So for them to say it's not about being trans really pisses me off. I have to say, first of all, the trans community has an incredible role model because you can tell how passionate you are about the situation and the fact that you, you know, have been through these situations, but you don't let it stop you. Instead, it sounds like you're, you're, you're still trying to help others get through it and, sh- and, you know, shed light on the situation. And I think that's so important to have someone like you out there because that's the type of person who's really going to make a difference. But exclusion is such a tough, you know, whether you're trans or whether, you know, no matter what it is, exclusion is probably one of, and rejection is probably the worst feelings ever. Right. I mean, oh, I yeah. had a situation um, when I was younger, when I was growing up, Um, I was the reason I started this entire mission is I was bullied really, really badly. And I had horrible anxiety. I was always left out. Um, You know, obviously, it's a little different situation. But um, and I've been able to build up my life. I moved to Miami. I started my own brand. I have a great relationship. It's taken a lot of hard work. But I was excluded from girls nights from birthday parties, I'd have people invite me and then other girls would say, Well, I'm not going because Sydney's going and you know, those things are hurtful. But Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, if you can get through that and you still have the passion to empower other people, that just means more change is going to happen in the world. And the other, and, and, and I know it's hard, but I think that it's, it's hard to let go of what other people say and do. But at the end of the day, the ones who are the most passionate and the ones who are really trying to make a difference are the ones who are going to improve so many people's lives, which clearly you're you're looking to do right and i think that's important i do too and you know what it's like you said you've gone through it so many people go through it. you don't have to be trans but you know even with katie like i i look at katie now and and i think she has a beautiful amazing body i think she's an amazing human being i know her intention did not was not to be transphobic i know her intention was not to necessarily hurt me but because Mm -hmm. she was so self-involved through this planning of girls night and she was so unaware of her surroundings and the people that she works with including me it it became this massive situation and you know it just so happens to make my life really uncomfortable but I Mm -hmm. feel like we're all here and through these uncomfortable times we need to learn so we can pave the way so the people before us don't have to deal with it I don't want right. trans kids to be bullied. I don't want trans kids to feel like they're not worthy or not loved. And I definitely don't want my trans sisters and brothers on the streets begging for money because they can't get a job. I want to ask you, what do you think about challenges? Because you've been through quite a few and you've made and you've totally come through. What's your outlook on challenges that come your way in life? Like, do you think it's a good thing? And like, I mean, obviously you think it's a good thing, but like, I just want to talk about challenges. I feel like that's like a trending topic that everybody's talking about obstacles and challenges well sometimes I feel like there's so many challenges that I'm like really why like why right why again you know like I was telling my personal trainer the other day I was in so much pain working out so hard and I'm like (laughs) why is it so hard it's like I feel like it's physically mentally spiritually it's so hard to be on planet earth right now and you know but I, I, we're here to learn and grow. And, you, you know, like you said at the beginning of our conversation, I really do believe like the things that we get through only makes us way more stronger, more powerful, and just lighter. Like we are light and we are love. And when we get through this darkness and we can actually shine bright, we really do make a difference. And I noticed the more things that I've gone through and I've figured out and I've learned from, I find myself this very powerful, beautiful woman on the inside that radiates that through the outside and people are attracted to it. They're drawn to it. 
and it also creates abundance, you know, instead of yeah. setting in victim mode where you're like, I mean, trust me, I'm very comfortable in victim mode because my family and I've been a victim most of my life. Um, but when I'm in victim mode, I'm also attracting more things that are going to keep me in that victim mode. And it's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to live my life like my parents and like people in my hometown where I'm the victim the whole time. So I allow myself a couple days of being a victim and I'll cry and my friends will, you know, feed me a lot of really unhealthy food <laughs> and I'll binge the TV <laughs> show. You know, <laughs> yeah, I give myself a couple days to be a victim, but then I'm like, okay, girl, it's time to get like your shit together. It's time to get back out there and do this. And yeah, we just keep doing it over and over. And I find it easier every time I go through a breakup, it gets a little bit easier every time, um, you know, that I go through some kind of rejection. It's like a learning experience. I really thought that I was almost like invisible and I I was healed from these childhood wounds. And then girls night happens and I found myself drowning in a puddle of tears on my, you know, living room floor. I couldn't leave my apartment. Wow. I mean, can I go back to one thing? Total side Mm -hmm. note, but talking about being trans in America or just like living in America in this time and the society we live in, it's a challenge every single day. I feel like we put, have so much pressure, but my, so my boyfriend's family is from Barcelona. So we go to Spain a lot and it's such a different life there because people actually take time to enjoy. And whenever I'm there and they all get together for lunch and then they take a siesta and then they go back to work, but like fam- they make family a priority. And like you see kids playing on the street and, and whenever I go there, I think like, wow, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to waking up at God knows what hour and working all day until I feel like I'm dying and just like getting on social media, feeling bad about myself. It's like, for some reason in America, we're living in some crazy society with this intense pressure. And I find it so interesting that because you said you travel also when you go to other countries, how different the lifestyle is. I mean, everybody has their stress, but I think it's so important that we take time to enjoy and like indulge in self love and like actually learn to accept ourselves and not focus so much on the outside, because to bring this all together, if you can focus on what you want in life and get through those challenges, you're going to end up a happier person. But isn't it, I don't know if you noticed, but the difference. Oh yeah, for sure. It's crazy. I mean, that's the thing though. It's, uh, that's the reason why we also have this situation with being trans in America is because right. the American culture, our society, we put so much pressure on us, pressure to make enough money of this dream of owning a house when a lot of people financially can't afford it. The American dream. Yeah, the American dream, which is now like, what, three jobs and like all these bills. And it's (laughs) it's ridiculous when when at the end of the day, our dream is freedom, true freedom. And I I owned a restaurant and I was like living the American dream. And I was working 12 hour days and I was crying every single day. I had nervous breakdown after nervous breakdown. And I'm like, I don't want to live this life. Like, what kind of dream situation is this? A true life, like enjoying the planet, enjoying the human experience and loving life. That's what's really important. So how did you make that change? What did it take for you to like close a restaurant? That's that's a really interesting topic too, because I think a lot of people have a hard time making changes in life. And mm-hmm. cha- I mean, change is scary for most people. I personally don't love change, but I I do what I have to do. But a lot of people have a hard time with that. How did you do that? How did you just make the change and go after what you want? Like, what's your tip? Change is so hard for me too. Like when change is happening, I'm like crying, trembling, freaking out, Um, even moving. Like I usually like stay at a place for five years and I'm like, Oh no, I don't want to move. Um, you know, I've, I'm, I write a lot of books and I'm always, it's in the back of my head all the time. You need to live outside your comfort zone and -hmm. that's where life's at. And that's where real growth is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that's, there were so many times where I'm like, I need to make a change. Like I need to change this. And no matter how painful it is and scary it is, I know that my life is where it's uncomfortable. And, you know, even with the whole girl thing, even having cameras around me, like it's very uncomfortable because people are judging my truth and, and my perception and my feelings. They're judging it and not knowing the full story. Um, so yeah, it's very uncomfortable, but I think, people have to realize like we grow when we're uncomfortable. We learn when we're uncomfortable, even being uncomfortable on dates and stuff. Like when you first date someone, there's a 
you know, it's so awkward. It's so (laughs) awkward. You can be uncomfortable and, but then you learn and you grow and then you fall in love with these people. And, you know, it's definitely where it's at. And it's like, you know, the, the hot parties, people in LA are always like, when's the new hot club opening or when's the new hot party? I'm like, where do I feel uncomfortable at? Cause I want to live to move forward. And I also have a very big vision for my life. I want to adopt children. I want to have a family. I want to have my own talk show. I have a book deal in the works. Like there's a lot of amazing things happening right now. And I have to live in that uncomfortable area and be vulnerable so I can continue. And it probably takes a lot of sacrifice too to be able to, I mean, you have so many amazing things going on to be able to get to where you are probably took a lot of, of sacrifice and, and time and effort and consistency and persistence. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I see people in my hometown who have really big dreams and they never left my town and they're like drinking a lot and they're really depressed. And I've lived a lot of very uncomfortable, very lonely, very sad times in Los Angeles moving away from my family, moving away from all my friends, being alone. When I first moved to Los Angeles, I was homeless living in my car. I had a job the first day I got here, but I had to save up for an apartment. Um, there was just a lot of things that I sacrificed. And you're so right. It is sacrificing because mm-hmm. I could have stayed in my little comfort zone in Indiana. And where would I be? You know, like I, I just kept on choosing to be uncomfortable. Um, and it's got me this far. Yeah, I mean, I can totally relate. I was in college in Arizona, actually. And my sophomore year, I was miserable. And I realized this wasn't for me. This wasn't my path. And I don't need to do what everyone else is doing. And my dream was to move to Miami, to live on the beach, to own my own business, to make a difference. And I picked up and I went for it. I didn't think about it. I took the risk. And I think sometimes, you know, now that I'm here and I'm, you know, an entrepreneur, I, I own a marketing firm, but I also have this mission that I'm trying to help prevent suicides and inspire people. I think this whole journey can be lonely because you're constantly in an uncomfortable state. But when mm-hmm. I look back and I see the progress that I've made and I see the people who I've inspired and I see what I've done, it's like, okay, you're doing this for a reason. And I think Steve, no, I not, I think, I know Steve Jobs says this. I don't remember the exact quote, but you can only, you can you can't see what's going on as you're going through it, but you can look back and connect the dots. Oh, totally. And that is one of my favorite quotes because when you're going through it, you just have to keep plugging away. You just have to keep doing it. You just I I love living in my uh, uncomfortable zone because if you're comfortable, you're not growing. Mm-hmm. And I'm not about that. I want to grow. I want to do something. And I think I love how you said you have a vision board and. and I want to talk about routines. I'm really big into routines. I have a very strict morning routine. I have a night routine. I believe your morning routine starts at night. Um, I, I'm really big into that. What routines do you have? I know we talked a little bit about journaling, gratitude, um, law of attraction. I think we talked about last time. We have some things in mm-hmm. common. Um, talk, tell me a little bit about your routines. Well, first of all, I have to say I'm very proud of you for you know, you you. living in the uncomfortable area and making it happen. I think sometimes like we, I think sometimes we don't necessarily enjoy being so uncomfortable, but of course enjoy, we enjoy like, wow, look where I am today. Like I live an amazing life in Los Angeles and you live this epic life in Miami. And it's like, we really chose this path. And when every little thing that I've done, that's, I felt uncomfortable I feel like it's, I've always gotten a reward from it. And now mm-hmm. I'm living this life and I'm looking around in my beautiful apartment and just my neighborhood and, and everything in general, like this is the reward. So I definitely encourage people who are listening, like keep feeling uncomfortable because it you'll, ha- you'll get rewards every single time. It's so fulfilling. <clears throat> yeah. And then, you know, the morning, the morning routine, um, my manager, like I have this little team and they're always like, make sure you meditate. Cause they know that like, you know, <laughs> life can get stressful, especially like being in the public eye. But yeah. I definitely love the first thing I wake up and do is like pay the Santo. Cause I feel like it naturally just calms me. And mm-hmm. then I usually do a 10 minute meditation. My mantra is so hum. Um, and just transcendental meditation. I did like a workshop and I've been doing it ever since. Um, 
you know, I find myself like if I'm dating or if I have someone sleep over, if I have a couple of girlfriends over or a sister over, I find myself not like waking up immediately and doing my routine that I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely feel a little weird if I'm not doing it. But I have this amazing book called Make Your Dreams Come True Now. And it's basically a workbook to help you with your imagination so you can manifest Ooh. things. I yeah, it's that. really cool. Yeah, it's like you read a chapter and then you have to do this like journaling and writing and like you really, it helps manifest. Um, and then I also spend just a few minutes in front of my vision board and I like smile at it and really try to feel what it would be like to be a mother and to have a family. Um, and then one of my other things that I do is I write on post-it notes every year. I have new post-it notes all over my apartment. And this one is like, I have my own podcast. I have my own talk show. Like I have all these really cool post-its. Um, and usually they all come true, you know, and I've had friends tell me the most powerful thing they've ever done was put post-it notes on their mirror. Of so things I, that they I have the chills when you said that, because when I was in college before I took the step and did what I wanted to do, I had post-it notes all over my walls of what I wanted. And then another thing that I did, actually, my, someone told my mom this and my mom told me, but they said, write a journal, but write it as if you're living the life that you're like, as if it's, if it's, as if it's you five years from now. Mm-hmm. So like, you know what you're doing. And they said, write it and put it away. This was five years ago. I look at that and I am living that exact life. I, I'm still on my journey. I'm still on my path still. And I want more. But it is so crazy and so powerful. And it's so weird, funny that you say that too, because a lot of people, I think, they think the law of attraction and manifestation, it's all, you know, magic or in your head. But, you know, I think when you see those things and you write it out, you're more likely to make decisions that's going to get you towards that. And you're going to make it happen. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's really powerful. I'm definitely a firm believer in manifesting. You know, before we had these cell phones, I've, I find myself sometimes being like, wow, things aren't really like, you know, sometimes I struggle with how things turn out. And I'm like, what is that? I remember as a child or all through my teenage life, I didn't have a cell phone. So I spent most of my time daydreaming and I yeah, would daydream. Me too. Yeah. And I would daydream of me being this beautiful girl with long hair, getting out of a convertible, living this life in Los Angeles. Everything that I imagined as a child, I'm now living. But I definitely find myself like, you know, when am I going to have kids? When am I going to start this family? I'm 35 now. It's really important for me to find the love and find, you know, settle down and start a family. I really want to be financially secure so I can afford kids because I have to adopt. And I find myself every year being like, oh, in a couple more years, in a couple more years. And I'm like, why am I not manifesting this like I did everything else. And it's because I'm manifesting or I'm visioning or daydreaming way less because I spend most of my time on social media or on my phone. Which is a huge and problem. Did you know now you can see how much time you're spending every day on social media? Yes, girl. And I'm so happy. My screen time keeps on going down and down and down and down. I need to reduce my screen time. It's crazy because my jo- my career, I have a marketing firm. So it's, everything I do is on my phone. And when I see yeah. the time I'm spending, I'm like, this is pathetic. Yeah. This is not good. Well, and, and, you know, now it pops up every week. Oh, your percentage is up or your percentage is down in screen time. I'm always trying to get it down. Yeah. But I do have to make a conscious effort to put my phone down. That's why I got this book, Make Your Dreams Come True Now, because it forces me to manifest. It forces me to daydream and have that vision. And I also, sometimes when I'm walking my dog, I say it out loud. I am a multimillionaire. I am financially free. I am light. I am love. I am a mother. I am a proud trans woman. I have a family. Like I say these things out loud because I feel the power of my voice putting waves in the universe because we are all energy um, helps create that. So, you know, I I definitely do a lot. Wow. That is so impressive. You're so inspiring. I, I truly appreciate you being on here. I want to end this with a few questions, a few power mm-hmm. round questions. So who's your inspiration and why? Honestly, my, my inspiration is um, to a lot of my trans sisters in the, my community, um, especially trans women of color. Like I see the struggles that they go through and it just, they inspire me so much. You know, I've, 
had a lot of surgery. So now people don't question me as much and they can put me in their box as female and they're happy with that. Um, and it, I, I, I can still feel and still see how other people are suffering, especially my trans sisters of color. And for them to step outside their house and for them to live open and proud in America is so brave. And yeah. it really inspires me to keep going. Yeah. Wow. I love that. So, okay. Question number two, mm-hmm. what are your three core values when it comes to choosing people you want to keep close to you? They have to have good energy, like good vibes. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I can't be having a Debbie Downer around me. No. Um, <laughs> they say you, they say you become who you surround yourself with. Exactly. Yeah. That loyalty is really big for me. Um, you know, a lot of people want to hang out with famous people and yeah. they'll do anything they can. And like, there's a lot of weird things when you're in the public eye and, and um, loyalty is important to me. I have a small group of friends and I don't really open it, my personal life up that much. So mm-hmm. um, I find loyalty really um, comforting. And then also, um, yeah, I think it's, it's really, <sighs> what is my third thing? Um, I love people that are fun. Like I love to have fun, you know, life like, is I, short. Life is short. I really enjoy people who like to laugh. Like a lot of my sisters make me laugh all the time. And yeah, that's what I want to spend my free time is like laughing and, and feeling good. I love that. Okay. Final question. Yeah. So when people mm-hmm. think of you, what word do you want them to think of? I, the first thing that comes to me is love and light because I think that's like what we all are. I think the core of us is, is love and light. And we're having this human experience that sometimes we get lost in. Um, yeah. And, you know, um, I, I've heard a lot of people say, um, that I'm very genuine, but I, what I do know for sure is, is that I'm love and I'm light. So I guess I would say that. I love that. Well, this has been absolutely inspiring. I can't say that enough. And I so appreciate you taking the time to be here and I can't wait to see all that you accomplish. And and I'm really glad that we can inspire other people together. Yeah. And I really appreciate you creating this platform so people can listen and be inspired. You are saving lives and I'm very proud of you, sister. Namaste. Namaste.